Ladies, gentlemen, geeks of all ages, you are now entering BJ Shea's Geek Nation. Welcome. Yes, welcome to BJ Shea's Geek Nation. I am the Reverend Fuego. Across from me is Vicky Barcelona. Hello. The show's namesake, BJ Shea, is here. Hi. What is good to be back? Yay. And running the boards is Joey D's. Hi. Hi. On today's show, we will talk with Gareth von Kallenbach about the crazy news of Amazon buying MGM Studios. We'll also talk a lot of TV, including The Nevers, the first six-episode arc. BJ and I will uh, geek out about that. We'll talk a little bit about MODOK, love, death, and robots, maybe a little bit more. And, of course, the Geek Sheet with Vicky B. Vicky, how can people get a hold of us? Get a hold of us via our website, bjgeeknation.com. It's going to have our blogs, podcasts, and more. more. Or, you know, just search BJ Shakes Geek Nation on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, iTunes, and the Odyssey app to find us. Yes, lots of ways to get a hold of us. And uh, through all that social media or BJGeekNation at gmail.com, you can give us feedback. And if you're listening to us, uh, however which way you do on those pod catchers or those fun apps, especially the Odyssey app, uh, leave us a review. Give us those five stars or, I don't know, five thumbs up or golden... I don't know, uh, comic books, or I don't know how these things rate things, but give us the highest rating and say, you yeah. love us, because man, my ego I need, is fragile. I need validation <laughs> from strangers. Uh, let's get right into this big news that dropped this week, because Amazon did buy MGM Studios, and with me is Mr. Gareth Von Kallenbach to talk about it. Gareth Von Kallenbach joins us from Skewed in Review, that is SKNR.net, and this week, earlier this week, uh, some really big news dropped, and I kind of need some help uh, discerning uh, how gigantic this is because Amazon just spent $8.4 billion with a B to buy MGM Studios. And the one thing that I've seen on all the uh, articles, at least on the headlines, is that this means that they're going to get the Bond franchise. At least that's what they're alluding to. Is that even true at this point? It's true, but with qualifiers. And that's Ah. the big thing. And this has been the unusual thing. It's no secret that MGM was up for sale. They were um, offered up pretty much at the beginning of the year. It was widely known that they were available. There apparently was a 5 or $6 billion uh, possibility with another buyer. Uh, Apple was the rumor I heard. And Apple said, yeah, $5 billion, not interested. There you go. And what the problem is, is you have to look at it from a value standpoint. And this is what's got everyone very confused. They own a streaming service, but Amazon's not really interested in that so much because they have Amazon Prime. It's the large catalog of movies and TV shows and the rights. And so just off the top of my head, you have things like RoboCop. You have things like The Handmaid's Tale. You have Silence of the Lambs. Uh, You have the Rocky films, you know, let's not forget those. And that now is the Creed films. These are all under the umbrella. And so the question is, what is Amazon going to do? I don't think they're going to say, hey, all these theatrical films like Creed 3 are now going to stream exclusively on Amazon Prime, and they're not going to theaters. But they might. They might also start doing that game where they say, 30 days, 45 days in the theaters, and then they're exclusive to Prime. So now we get to James Bond, and that is where the big, <laughs> the big, big, big issue is. We all know No Time to Die, we've talked about this, is the most expensive Bond film to date, hence why it's been sitting there. There was rumors that uh, large offers were made to uh, acquire it for streaming, 
and those were turned down simply because it was not considered um, lucrative enough to cover their investment. I've heard stories that with all the advertising, so on and so forth, they've got to pull in $600 million just to break even. Mm, that's wow. not that. Yeah, that's not going to happen in a pandemic mm-hmm. shortened theater, but it's also not going to happen with a two to $300 million buyout from a streaming service. Uh, you know, with the debate on, well, how long do you hold certain theatrical rights? And it's a mess. Here's where the problem is for the James Bond films going forward. They may, they do not own the distribution options on this. There's a company called Aon Productions. They control the distribution. So it's very, it's very goofed up. It's the old, yeah, you own it. You're financing the Bond films and you can finance the series forever, but we control how they go. So they can't come out and say, well, we've got a new James Bond and we're going to, or son of James Bond and James Bond, Mrs. James Bond, whatever they want. <laughs> they might be able to play all around with spinoffs, but the core James Bond films, they cannot do anything. They can't say, oh, we're going to bypass the theaters and go theatrically. I mean, it goes streaming unless these guys sign off on it. And they're not going to want to do that at that point, especially if they've got a bunch of money tied up in it. No. And it's, and the thing is, I think it's a case of that you want to keep control. Do you want to come out and say, oh, you know what, let's just put it on streaming. That's fine. Because now you've opened up the box and now the next film that comes down the line, oh, let's just put it on streaming. It's a lot harder to say, no, uh-uh, nope, 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 nope. We're putting it back in the theaters. Or, oh, let's put it in the theaters, and then in 40 days we'll put it here. There's going to be, I'm sure there's some very interesting negotiations that are going to be happening. Now, I want to put on my own uh, tinfoil hat on this because, like, looking at something along these lines and you see a big company, like a gigantic, massive, monolithic company like Amazon, they're going and they're buying a movie studio. And some people are like, well, maybe because they want to make their own thing. But with me, it's that you're talking about how, yeah, the distribution company doesn't want people just to maybe sit at home and they want to go to the theaters. But I feel that Amazon, with their entire, I mean, the whole business model they have, have is basically, hey, sit at home, we'll bring it to you, that this is a way for them maybe to kind of put that iron grip, that crushing force on the movie theaters themselves. And I mean, this is me with like big brain conspiracy theory, mega conglomeration sort of weirdness going out there. So I don't know if that's true, but it really kind of feels like we're inching towards that way. You know, and that's the weird thing about this. You could see it go any other way. Um for example, I, we saw Quiet Place 2 the other day. Even at home on a 4K television, high band streaming, great surround sound, all of that, it does not replicate the experience of seeing that theater, seeing that show on a gigantic screen with the Dolby Atmos where you hear the creatures coming at you from behind you, from the sides, all of that, in a communal setting. And that is the trick. There are just certain films that are not suited 
to watch at home yeah. compared to, you know, look at Avengers Endgame, that oh, yeah. audience reaction. These are not things to sit at home with one or two people and watch. This is something where they want 200 plus people all there reacting on every single thing, cheering, screaming, you know, crying when necessary. <laughs> and that is the problem. It's what film there, you know, there are just certain films. I've always said it, I kind of used it like the drive-in analogy. Certain films don't work well at the drive-ins, such as comedies, because you don't hear the audience reaction. You don't, the big sci-fi things, you do not get to see the, now with digital projection, it's a lot better, but back in the day, they seemed a bit dark and it wasn't as well. So what did, mm. what worked? Action films worked all right. Splasher films worked okay. Dramas worked okay. And so, and of course, children's films. And so you have to kind of find your balance and, you know, I sat there this morning looking at this and I said, for all we know, they could go out and decide to buy up a bunch of theater chains. Cause if you hear about all of these in oh, distress, wow, yeah. completely do a one eighty and say, Hey, we're going to own our own line of theaters uh, and, and use that thing, you know, like those automated shops they have. I mean, just spitballing. Can you imagine a movie theater with no staff where you literally come in and everything, uh, from buying your tickets to buying your concessions and souvenirs is all done uh, like those yeah you know what they have yeah that would be I mean down I mean down where I live there's literally a uh, new uh, 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 beer place that is a U pour like uh, they still have some wait staff uh, but to by and large a lot of it's kind of that automated thing and you bring up a really good point that's an actual possibility that I, I didn't even think of again you know Amazon go to the movies would be a great name for it and I'm okay with that um, it just it, it always seems weird when I always talk about this because you and I were BSing afterwards and it's like you know, this is turning kind of into that shadow run sort of thing where we're going to have Amazon Studios and the Amazon Media Corporation and all of that. And then Disney owns everything else. And that's going to be it. It's going to be those two companies. And that's always it seems weird for me at, at that point, you know. Exactly. And like, here's here's just and I'm not saying this is going to happen. I'm just saying wild speculation. Yeah. Alamo Draft House. They've got a very good experience. They've got the bar, the restaurant, the food service, the table. It was no secret. They got hit hard by the. Um, shut down and they had to do some reorganization and stuff like that. That's the kind of thing that I sit there and go, I could see them saying, huh, maybe we want to get in on this. Now, of course you run the whole thing about the potential conflict of, well, are you going to give your theaters the preferred rate for uh, your MGM films? That's down the road. I think the whole thing is, this has put everything on the table. And I think it's also put up everybody else on notice. I mean, I was reading this thing where they were saying Warner Brothers did their big merger and they've got this mega company and they're so tied in, um, you know, with stuff, they're solid. You've got, um, you know, Disney and Fox, that's massive on their streaming service. Mm -hmm. NBC Universal Peacock, you know, that's a, that's a big, big catalog of product that they have. But then as we discussed, then you have Paramount. Now Paramount Plus is doing really well. They have all the Star Trek shows and stuff like that. But this is going to make, as you asked, are we going to come up with just one or two studios? And I know there's antitrust laws and all of that. This is going to change the landscape because people are going to say, Here's a company that's apparently valued over a trillion dollars. Wow. Who's already shown that they had no problem snapping up a studio. <laughs> 
yeah, it's 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 crazy, and I mean, we're just getting into the speculation, but it is exciting, and I do think it is game-changing, so we're going to have to keep an eye on it, and I know that you will, and people can get more information if they head out to SKNR.net or just search the Googles and the social media for Skewed and Reviewed, and you can find out information about this and so much more. Thank you so much, Gareth. Anytime. Take care. Thank you so much, Gareth. And yeah, we kind of put on the little conspiracy hats towards the end of there, and uh, we'll have to see what happens with it. You know, I put my bid in for $7 billion, and they rejected me. Uh, well, mm. you didn't uh, actually spend enough money there, buddy. <sighs> Gosh, what Jordan. a loser. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Moving on from that, we got to talk television. BJ, I, I love the fact that I was telling you about Shadow and Bone, and it's like, oh, this is a fun steampunky show. And you're like, hold on. You need the nevers in your life, which is on HBO Max. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize I did until I watched it. Watching the first five episodes was a lot of fun, and then all hell breaks loose on the sixth episode, and I know that you were chomping at the bit to get me to watch it, and I didn't want to talk about this until you were back on the show, because what the hell happened on that last episode, man? Yeah, well, first of all, uh, you know, I had an old school nerdgasm when I saw Claudia Black, who guest starred... um, on the episode and had a very pivotal part in the episode. Claudia Black, you guys remember her from Farscape? And, uh, man, I recognized her, but her hair was a lot lighter, but I thought, hmm, and it's been... Yeah, a couple years older. It's been 20 years (laughs) since Farscape pretty much started. And I was like, okay, I do believe that's Claudia. So I had to go on IMDb while the episode was on. And I was like, that is Claudia. And as Claudia was playing the role, I was like, Hmm, we are seeing a whole lot of her run this episode, at least what we've seen. Well, and, and it, it was basically, you know, they showed us all the old timey stuff, right, Rev? For the first five episodes, yeah, old timey Victorian stuff. The first five episodes kind of goes around either 19th or maybe early 20th century Victorian culture. So it's in England and all of that area, but it is definitely low technology. The biggest technology was the fact that Penance, one of the characters, could just make all sorts of fantastic designs. That was her quote unquote superpower. Um, and a lot of people had all those different ones. We've mentioned that in the past. And then this episode starts off on a spaceship and I'm like and people getting like airdropped down and I'm like what the hell and (laughs) it is the like far future wasteland and we get to this character named Stripe which uh, is uh, played by the character uh, by the actress you were talking about there and so I was the like for the first I don't know what like 15-20 minutes this whole thing goes on and I'm just looking at my wife being like are we watching the right show like I had to check to make sure because this is supposed to be an old Victorian steampunky show that's why I loved it and now we're getting into this weird far-flown future stuff and i was like um i don't know what's happening yeah there was a good chunk of the episode and to the point where you're like did i did i record the right thing yeah i was getting really mad and then it ties it together in a way that i thought was interesting mostly brilliant but then i immediately thought i was like Joe's going to hate this movie or this show. Oh, no. Don't tell me that. I was looking forward to watching it. Um, yeah. So, uh, it's got, I mean, it is time travel, right? Yeah, I would say it's, it's, there's time travel. It feels like time travel's involved. And I don't hate this time travel. It's pretty simple. I mean, you know, you're watching the show and you go, okay, something's going on with these people. Why are there gifted people? They kind of showed you some weird thing in the sky. Mm-hmm. And then they explain what that weird thing in the sky was because there's also a weird thing underground we're seeing in Victorian time. Yep. So it's all making sense, at least, that, oh, all right, 
Um, and they did. They do. They do set it up that you go. There's something going on with this Amelia True character, Amalia yeah. rather. Um, there's, there's there's something not right with her, but we don't know what. And then we find out why something's wrong with her. And yeah, it's time travel, but you know, it's not super timey wimey. It's not crazy like we're going where to do what, but then it only does this, and then we can do that. But then people are not going to be affected, but some people are. J.J. Abrams is going to do a movie to explain it. You know, <laughs> um, it is just simple. Oh, I see. So something. So basically, she's a character from the future who somehow is in the past. We don't exactly know how she got to the past, sort of, kind of, maybe, whatever, that might be revealed. Yeah. We can assume. And it seems like there's a mystery, but it's not a mystery where you go, well, it's confusing. It's more of a, ooh, I want to try to figure this out mystery. Exactly. And that was one of those things where it's like, it ties it together really well. Um, And then once you kind of realize that, you can look back at the first five episodes, because this is the first six-episode arc. They're going to do another six episodes in the future to kind of finish out the season. Um, But for this one, it was like, okay, well, there were some things during those first five episodes I was very confused about. I'm like, why are they explaining or just mentioning these things by a name? And we have no we have no connotation to this. We don't under I don't understand why they're just like, oh, this is a thing and that's a thing. This episode uh, explains all of those things. It leaves a little bit more questions, but at least tells you about you know why they named this thing, you know named this thing whatever they named it, and they knew it right away, like three or four episodes in. So it ties it together very well, and it made me actually uh, more intrigued about the show. And once we got past those first fifteen minutes, and everything kind of went back to the old the olden times, and it made everything come together, uh, I was more appreciative of it. And Laura Donnelly, who plays the title character Amalia True there, or or say one of the, I should say the title, the head protagonist, pretty much. Uh, she's fantastic. She plays yeah. literally three different characters uh, in this last episode. Uh, the one that we've known, and then two other ones that we didn't know. Yeah, and so that was really neat. And they did preface it by saying this is a, the kind of the origin of Amalia True, and you do absolutely get that. It's just not what you expected. Okay, so... Will I like the story minus the time travel part? I think you'll like the story, and I think I feel that uh, I know you have a kind of an ant about time travel, but it's not like BJ said. I think it's a little bit more of a palpable uh, time travel, but also it's you and time travel. So does she, she doesn't like <laughs> well, bring back ray guns or something, right? All of a sudden, and then ha ha. Well, it, you, you know, it's worth a watch, and I think that, yeah, and you can see if you, if you you know, a couple of episodes in, you can see whether it's got you or not, because the time travel doesn't get introduced, really, until the last episode. Oh, yeah. You don't, you don't, yeah, you don't yeah, know yeah. about it, yeah. So um, even if you just watch the last episode, like, if you watch it all in the last episode, you're like, that's BS, at least you've watched the full entire arc, and, uh, and again, like, with me, I was like, well, that was weird, but okay, I accept this. And it makes sense as they, you know, as you're following along. Uh, to me, it's like, oh, I get why this had to happen this way. As as I given it more thought, it's like, oh, I see. Yeah. Uh, that, that sixth episode says, here's what's going on, and here's why this had to happen. Oh, now we, I don't know why the world's going to be in the shape that it's in. Exactly. But I mean, I guess we'll find out more if the Nevers, you know, gets beyond season one. They are going to get to finish the, the next half of season one. Yeah. Uh, it to me is one of the best shows I've watched on television this year. I, Visually I, I, stunning. Yeah. And Absolutely. I really, yeah. yeah. I like that a lot. I haven't finished Shadow and Bone, so I can't really say. 
Um, uh, but I feel like, you know, Shadow and Bone is probably not going to be as entertaining to me as The Nevers, but that doesn't mean Shadow and Bone is not a good show. And I just, I'm just really spoiled on The Nevers. Yes. And Shadow and Bone, I felt was fantastic. Um, and Joe watched it and he thought it was as well. Obviously, a little CWE in this, uh, this show, The Nevers is not as bad as that, obviously. So, so where would you put that Shadow and Bone in the, the Nevers? Uh, I would put The Nevers above Shadow and Bone. Woo, Joe. Um, I feel that both are must watches. You got to do it, Joe. If you kind of, under if you like uh, a lot of the stuff that I like in that sort of term, then you're going to really enjoy those. And just kind of like even at that point, just be uh, uh, willing to accept the rules that they've placed out because they haven't broken the rules yet. They're just establishing the rules. Okay, that's and, good. I'll and do Pip it. Tor- and Pip Torrens is in it, and you loved yes. him in Preacher. So. Yeah, yeah, he was hair star uh, in Preacher, which I didn't yeah. notice until they showed like the behind the scenes, and I was watching the explanations because he actually has a full head of hair in the show. Whoa. And so yeah. when they show him when he's bald, I'm like, oh, it's him. I was like, you look familiar, but I don't understand. Yeah, Nick Frost <laughs> is in it. Yeah. Uh, and there's really good characters. And uh, the powers that certain people have are really cool. It reminds me of a little bit more serious misfits when you see some of the most, the, like the most, uh, the powers that are yeah. like, well, that's almost really not helpful at all, whatever the <laughs> hell it is that you're doing. Um, and, you know, James Norton, who plays Hugo Swan's a great character. And uh, Tom Riley plays Augustus Augie Bidlow. He's a great character. Olivia Williams' Lavinia Bidlow is a great character. They're a really good character. Characters that you oh oh and Amy Manson's Malady is great. Oh I mean, yeah, Malady's oh, amazing. Yeah, Nick Frost is in it. I mean, there's just a lot of there's good writing and good characters. All so right, I, I, you convinced me. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's on HBO Max, so yeah. you can get it if you get the Max. Um, now I know that Vicky hasn't seen Modoc yet, which is on Hulu. She hasn't. She what? has not. I thought this is like her show to watch. Right. I thought it was a one episode thing, so I'm like, cool. I'll watch it at night, so it's fresh in my head. Uh, so when I do the podcast, I'll be good. I go in and I see that all the episodes are available. Yep, all available right now, and it's essentially <laughs> robot chicken. And I had with Modoc. I had to choose. Do I watch? And hopefully, we'll stop at one episode. You won't. At eight o'clock at night <laughs> on a nope. school night. Nope, it's not happening. Or I binge this and sleep. Two hours, if that. Yeah. yeah, I think I made the right choice. And so Modoc <laughs> is the, what is it? The, oh man, is it like the mental organism devoted to only killing? Something, something like some, that. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's one of the dumbest characters ever because he's like just got a big giant head. He floats around. He's got his little teeny weeny arms and like legs just kicking around. I think you almost had to have mental, mobile, mechanized organism designed only for killing. Wow. Yeah. 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 <laughs> He's and, he's yeah. ridiculous. He's a weird guy, but he's one of the leaders of a weird sort of Hydra esque group called AIM, which is like what Inva- advanced intellect technologies or whatever. I don't know mechanics, maybe. I think. Yeah, mechanics. <laughs> sure. With a T. Yeah, I know yeah. eight. No, it's not. They're eight. Um, but uh, so this was kind of a robot chicken comedy with Patton Oswalt as the lead character. Lots of interesting voice uh, voice actors. John Hamm plays Iron Man <laughs> in the first episode. That was funny. It's it's funny, it's goofy, it's silly. If you love Rob- Robot Chicken, I think you'll really enjoy and it. And that's the animation where you got sort of like doll. Kind of claymation-ish like almost, yeah. but stop motion. But like with your old school Barbie dolls, G.I. Yeah. Joe kind of look to the dolls, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and having watched the first episode, if nothing else is on, I'll watch it, but it doesn't pull me. It's like, the, it reminds me of the, the show Vicky Loves Crossing Swords. I've watched yeah. a couple of episodes, and I'm like, 
yeah, I'm okay, I'm good. I kind of get what they're going with here, but it's not really necessarily my cup of tea. How do you feel about it, BJ? Well, if you, it's interesting because you know if you take a look at uh, you know, the the IMDb re- reviews, the first episode is the most weekly reviewed. Oh, like, okay. The rest of them are well. actually get a little better. Um, and the first episode was okay. Uh, the second episode was better, and I've only watched the first two episodes okay. because I like Vicky. I was like, wait, this is all of them. Okay, well, I'm not going to be able to do all this. Um, uh, but you know, Patton Oswalt is worth the watch because he does such a great job with the character. And I mean, I did get a laugh when he has a you know he he marries a a normal human person, has a normal human son, but then has a big headed daughter. Uh, but <laughs> You know, the but she's like got the regular issues that any teen girl would have. Yeah. Uh, you know, so the and it's it's just ridiculously stupid, but has some moments of really good humor where Modoc is, you know, behaving like a crazy person from old stereotypical comics. Yeah. Except you know, except with a little bend of robot chicken humor, where it basically he just shoots and kills anybody who disagrees with him. My favorite lines are, "How dare you!" blank the the modok like how dare you keep yogurt from the great modok and so he does that sort of old school you know villain talk but yeah. it's about really mundane situations exactly and i, yeah. I think i my favorite character is there's like a super like robot that's malleable you can it can literally oh, the be super adaptoid anything. who's a real guy yeah a super yeah. adaptoid can be anything and they use him for the boringest stuff like you will be a ladder for us he's like you know i can like turn into literally anything you like, I do appreciate that I feel like it, a lot of franchises have decided this is a really good idea to lampoon themselves and I yeah. and, and probably the success of Star Trek lower decks has shown everybody okay we can do this and 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 it won't be so horrible for the fans or even some of the real you know serious fans uh, lower decks showed that it can be done and I think there's that this is a great send-up of the Marvel you know because the super adaptoid is a real character that's so and funny like you said what a great idea to basically have him be a toaster like oh yeah he could be that too <laughs> completely useless or he was a ladder but just completely useless things but you're uh, my toaster yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. speaking though of Pat Oswald uh, did you see what his next uh, big project's gonna be right up your alley BJ mm-hmm. what's this he is going to be in the new Sandman. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. I saw some cast uh, castings for yeah. that. Which he's going to be Matthew gonna, the Raven. Yeah, so he's going to be voicing oh, the Raven, yeah. which is going to be interesting because I'm I did it on accident. I called it Modok the Raven, and I was like, nope, that's not my new head cannon. Yeah, <laughs> it's been so long since I've read Sandman that it will be pretty much new to me because I can't even tell you what's going on, and no, I can't remember what the hell's it, going it on. It's such a trippy show. The cast the is ridiculous. Like you have Gwendolyn Christie as Lucifer, Charles Dance as Roderick Burgess. Uh, you have Jenna Coleman from Doctor Who as Joanna Constantine. Oh, wow. Okay. Stephen Fry as Gilbert. Uh, Kirby Howell-Baptiste as Death, who she was also in Killing Eve as Elena Felton. Oh, that's where I recognized her face from. I was like, I know I've seen her before, but I can't <laughs> I can't figure out where. Yeah, the whole cast looks pretty legit. I've never read it. It's one of those. It's always been on my, my bucket list or my to-do list for comics. And I'm just even more excited to see the show. Yeah, this looks fantastic. I'm really excited yeah. for that, too. I'm excited that I forgot most of it. so that it <laughs> uh, Just like Invincible is like, I think I remember. Oh, yeah, that's right. That does happen. Okay. Um, uh, yeah. m- moving on from MODOK, I do recommend it at this point in time because if it gets better after the second episode, I'm going to watch more than just two at this point. It's um, on the Hulus. Yeah, it's on Hulu. It's, uh, it's not a full hour. So, I mean, half hour you're done and you can move on if you don't like it. Um, but then also, I didn't watch the first season into this, but BJ, I know you just gobbled it up when it came out. Oh, yeah. Love, Death, and Robots on Netflix has come back for a season two. 
The All good right. news is, is that you can watch the first season. The, these are terrific short stories in the world of sci-fi that have been pretty much, for the most part, animated. There may have been, mm. I, for some reason I have a, I, I forgot, but I think there was one episode that was live action. Oh, interesting. Uh, at the okay. end of last season. I think Justin Bateman was in it, if I'm not mistaken. Justin oh. or uh, Jason? Uh, yeah, like no, I said, Jason, I Justin's like, his sister. Well, yeah, I wasn't Jason sure if Bateman. there was a Justin Bateman. No, I was like, who's that? It was Jason Bateman and Justine Bateman yeah. who was oh. in uh, Family Ties. That's right. She, yeah. We knew her, we knew her uh, uh, before we knew him back yeah. in the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I believe Jason was in the last episode. I don't know if you can check out the uh, ep- last episode of uh, season one of uh, Love, Death, and Robots. But I remember I was surprised because it was a lot. There was a lot. There was live action. I was like, "What the heck?" But even uh, the animation, anim- the animation style is different per episode, isn't it? Exactly. They are all standalone. They're anthology. You can watch them out of order if you want to. But it, it, what I love is they're great short stories. You know, science fiction is so awesome for short stories. You don't yeah. really need uh, like you know a mini series or a two hour movie sometimes just to take a concept and throw it out there. And and that's exactly what Love, Death, and Robots does. It is uh, so good. Um, I've uh, I haven't watched every episode this season. There was only eight, as opposed to like I think there were eighteen in the first season. Whoa! Um, so I was a little disappointed to see. Oh wait, there's only a few more left, but. Um, uh, the ones that I've watched, which is I think I've watched all but three of them, have really been fun and been good. And uh, it it starts off with a bang because uh, you know as I'm getting older, uh, you know I'm wondering what life will be like as a senior. Uh, and uh, this one's about <laughs> senior citizens of the future, where they basically have all sorts of comforts at their disposal until some of those comforts at their disposal try to kill them. And, oh uh, well, yeah, that's how that happens, right? The animation is really good. The characters are really goofy looking characters, but um, you know, it's well done. And there's and and, and again, they're like uh, I don't know, maybe 15 to 30 minute episodes at most. Uh that that's hmm. usually where they range, you know, some to, somewhere in that average of 20 minute episode range. Um, and you can really consume a couple of them at the time. They're, and the animation's all very different. Sometimes CGI, sometimes just good animation that would be like you know quirky and a cartoon style, or really well painted, uh, or CGI. Really, really good stuff. And the subject matter is cool too. Um, so I recommend this highly. Love, Death, and Robots. Mm-hmm. The first season's great. The second season lives right up to it in my mind. Nice. And uh, the for the live action one, it was Topher Grace. Oh gosh, I get him. Yeah. I get him. Jason, Jason Bateman, Bateman wasn't in any of them. I was like, maybe he was a voice, but no, Jason Bateman wasn't. It was Topher Damn Grace it. and uh, Sorry, Mary Topher. Elizabeth Winston. <laughs> Sorry, yes, Topher. I, I, yeah, there were there were a couple in that, and there there was something going weird oh. in their in their freezer. Good old yes. Ramona Flowers. Uh, a young couple moves into the apartment for uh, to an apartment and finds a lost civilization inside their antique freezer. Whoa. That's actually so super interesting. <laughs> oh, dude, it's that's a good one. Oh, Topher, I'm sorry, man. Okay. Someday I'll separate you sorry, and, and Spider Man. Yeah. <laughs> or not Spider Man, uh, Venom. <laughs> yeah, that's it. All right. Well, we don't uh, talk about that. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know. All right. Well, then let's talk about getting to the Geek Sheet with Vicky B. All right, Vicky, what do you got? So Fridays used to be about, you know, movies, what are coming out in theaters. Yeah. And then for the last year and a half or so, it's been a little tricky because theaters aren't really open right now. But things are opening Absolutely. up. And there's a lot that are doing the whole going straight to streaming to as well as, you know, theaters, depending on where you're at. Uh, but there are some movies that are coming out this weekend, some that came out last weekend. And it's a long weekend. So if you're looking to watch something, I got a few suggestions for you. Oh, what's that? Uh, one of them being, I keep hearing about this everywhere, seeing about it. You can't get away from it. A Quiet Place Part 2. Yeah. Did you guys see the first one? Absolutely. And that's with John Krasinski and Emily Blunt. But I believe, and I'm, 
it was kind of spo- I've never seen it, but it kind of spoiled. But I believe he's just directing this one. Yeah, yeah, he's not. Stuff, he's right? not in this one because well, you'll have to find out if you uh, if you haven't seen the first one. Maybe you want to go watch the first one before you watch this one. I think it's mm. kind of important when it comes down to this. Hmm. Uh, but as of right now, Rotten Tomatoes is giving it a certified fresh at ninety one percent. No Ooh, audience score yet. Wow. Uh, I'm trying wow. to remember. Uh, oh yeah, so Quiet Place, the first one, uh, which I believe it was. Was it a Netflix? Uh, I thought it came out in actual it was in theaters. theaters. Yes. Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, that one was a 96 tomato meter with an audience score of 82. I'm guessing. Uh, I'm. I have a feeling that it scored less because I'm assuming it's all subtitled because uh, they they can't speak and they did have a uh, I believe a deaf actress, so they're doing a lot of sign language. So I would only assume that it was subtitled and people don't like to read and uh, for those out there it will not be streaming on HBO Max so I think you'll actually have to go out in the theaters to see it it looks like right now that it won't be out uh, until uh, in you know at homes uh, until like 45 days later so probably in like mid-July which isn't bad and that'll be on the Paramount Plus uh, uh, app there so you can watch it on that one I saw John do an interview with uh, Stephen Colbert and like this movie has to be seen in theaters because it's so much about that tension with the sound effects mm-hmm. that it creates this like dead silence similar to like when you float tank and then you hear oh, something you're like yeah Whoa. yeah uh and i mean every, like like the first one got really really great reviews it was everyone really loved it i loved it a um, lot and it's pretty it's pretty awesome because john krasinski you, we've seen him in the office he's a funny actor uh but then to see him do something like this or even was it jack reach or john jack Reacher? uh jack ryan ryan yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. All, i get confused with all of them <laughs> uh he's able to do action and then seeing him do this he's the screenwriter and the director and then do something kind of horror-esque Ask, yeah. what, what was it thriller i guess Horror thriller, you would call these? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's it's pretty awesome to see his range. So if you're into that sort of thing, you've seen the first one, definitely check it out. <laughs> uh, the next one that everyone has been talking about for months is, uh, you know, the prequel to 101 Dalmatians, basically. Oh, this is the one with uh, Emma, Emily, S- Emma Stone. Yes, Emma Stone as Cruella Deville. Yep, I know that I I saw social media lose their minds when uh, the first trailer dropped on this. Oh, uh, down to the way she drives. You remember the old school animated movie? Yeah, the way Cruella would just drive, just woo, 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 with her like arms a, all over, <laughs> like a nut. It was like a little kid pretending to drive, like just the <laughs> wheel going everywhere. I feel like she's really getting into this character, and it feels very, you know, a. Uh, you know, the Devil Wears Prada vibe to it, just oh, from the trailers. Good call, good call. Uh, just, you know, the idea is that she's into fashion. I think she might be a lowly intern or cleaning lady, but she's pulling herself up the ranks. Uh, we got uh, Emma, was it Emma Thompson? I believe Nanny McPhee. I'm blanking. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Emma Thompson. Yeah. Emma Thompson's also in this, and she looks like a baddie. So I'm very excited to see this. I don't remember if you have to pay for this. Um, but I might have to. You can just uh, check. It's, it's probably a, it's, Disney Plus. It's to Premier Access. Disney yes. Plus Premier Access. Where it's like oh 30 yeah, bucks, yeah, I think. yeah, yeah. You, yeah, for those ones, it's generally thirty dollars, and you get to get it for all time. So you'll get it, uh, and then eventually it'll come uh, as part of the subscription for free. But that'll be a couple months down the line. Those aren't your jam. Army of the Dead still on Netflix. Yeah. Uh, Spiral from the Book of Saw, uh, Saw came out. Poorly reviewed by critics, but audience score seventy five percent. The audience seems to really like that one. And more uh, importantly, the uh, pitch meeting for uh, Army of the Dead is out. Oh. <laughs> Maya George, so that should that should be good. Well, having having seen that movie, I definitely want to see that because I want to see how they lambaste that one. Because while I love the movie, there's a lot of things that you can really kind of make fun of with that one. Oh, he does. <laughs> he uh, does. And watch those who wish me dead because I am curious to see what you guys say. Um, I want to check check it out. That's the one with Angelina Jolie. 
Oh, yeah. And until next time, guys, stay nerdy.